The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined not by my executive editor, John Dixon, who's currently uh, in a in a trailer trip uh, exploring the United States of America, but we do have a fill-in for him, our Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steve Serta. Steve, how are we doing, man? Well, Pete, I am fantastic. Um, I also really appreciate that John was like immediately when the football season's over, I am in the trailer and I am off the grid. I I appreciate the uh, commitment to the immediate vacation as soon as football season's over. Yeah, he actually has been sending me photos. So (laughs) on Monday, he sent me the painted desert in Arizona. Uh, A little bit later, the Salt River Canyon. And then yesterday, around 9.09, the mile-wide meteor crater near Winslow, Arizona. Uh, so he's exploring America, and good for him. It was a long season. Where did we go? Because of the Chiefs being Super Bowl champions last year, we went from mid-July to mid-February. I'm, I'm not doing the math on that. But that is a lot of months of football coverage. So well worth it in the end as the Chiefs get the victory over the San Francisco 49ers. They go back-to-back. They become the first team to go back-to-back since the 2004 NFL season. Very, very impressive. I want to give you guys an update on the editor's show. So here's why it's taken us so long to get back in the saddle here. Uh, Traveled Monday after the Super Bowl. Usually we've been doing it on Mondays. And then we had had a huddle up, and we, of course, had plans to do it uh, that Thursday following the parade, because we figured we could talk about the game. The, te- the takes would be well marinated by then, Steve. We could discuss some of the things that were said at the parade. And then, of course, we had the terrible tragedy that, that happened down there. Uh, and it didn't feel right to do a celebratory editor show at that point. And as we alluded to, John then went on uh, vacation. So uh, here's the plan for these couple of weeks here. It's going to be Steve and me today. We're catching up the editor show. Uh, you know, we'll have our marinated takeaways from the Super Bowl. Uh, Steve is in. Uh, Brett Veach and Andy Reid are scheduled to speak next week at the NFL Scouting Combine. And so John and I, just depending on when 
that presser is will have our first editor show after the Super Bowl, like three weeks later. Uh, but we'll be reflecting to some of the comments that they have. Uh, and we'll give John an opportunity to ha- pass along his marinated takeaways from the Super Bowl uh, in season. And then I plan to be off that following week. So we're resetting here. And then you should expect Steve and John, that is now two weeks from now, uh, filling on that show. It's a good reminder, too, that in the offseason, we go from Mondays to Wednesdays. And so three weeks from now, when I get back from vacation, Steve will be in full swing to our podcast calendar for the draft season, right? Uh, And John and I will be covering the news as we've done in previous seasons. Uh, I'll give you an opportunity here. You want to talk a little bit about our our draft podcast schedule here as, as we go? Yeah, so I, I should have an episode of the Great British Chief Show coming out either this late this afternoon after the editors is posted or uh, tomorrow morning. And then, mm-hmm. uh, but moving forward, as Pete mentioned, editors will be on Wednesday. We'll have V in with Rocky Magana, Kramer Sansone, and and our draft guys coming out every Monday. And then AP Draft Room with Ron Cop and Caleb James will be coming out every Friday. And we'll have some other stuff kind of in the mix here, but trying to make sure that we've got you covered on all things NFL draft and everything you need to know. And the guys do a ton of work this time of year uh, on our draft team, and they were tremendous last season and really calling their shots on, on some of these players and even some of the guys the Chiefs wound up taking. So it's it's kind of must-consume content. So I'd say locked in right here to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Yeah, so that is a loose plan of what to expect over the coming weeks and months as we get ready for the NFL draft. On today's show, uh, we will do our reviews first, as we usually do. I'll talk a little bit about the parade and, and that stuff. Uh, we'll get into our marinade takeaways. Uh, as of yesterday, I did this article that was uh, Pro Football Focus came out with their top 200 free agents. Chiefs had seven of them. Give some thoughts about how I think the Chiefs begin to navigate this free agency period. John was nice enough to knock out the snap count takeaways from the Super Bowl. He had a couple things that I thought were interesting. We'll talk about those to uh, end the show. So we got a jam-packed show. We're going to try to play catch-up mode here uh, as we go, and then we'll be diving headfirst into the offseason. As I mentioned, we did end the season with a, a lot of reviews. I, I think, Steve, that was in thanks to you for uh, bidding for them in the Super Bowl show, uh, but we appreciate them as always. If you leave us a podcast review, on Apple iTunes. We'll read it on the show. And so let's dive into to those. Um, this one came from, I can't even pronounce the username, CDSHGD. Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Great show, as always, no notes. Uh, it's always good to not have critiques on a year-long uh, <laughs> worth of, of episodes, uh, Steve. Zoo Max said, uh, simply the best. You guys rock. Thank you for helping Chiefs fans work through this emotional roller coaster of a season. Pete is the man that has become the go-to Twitter guy for all things Chiefs. You guys put out the best product, and you should be proud of it. Keep up the great work, and there's more to uh, – here's to more amazing Chiefs seasons. Hopefully this picks up the slack so Pete doesn't have to eat another ice cream cake in the future. Uh, how's that uh, for a five-star review? So thank you for the Zoom Mac. I don't ever want to do the, the cake thing or any kind of eating thing again on the podcast. I was miserable. All right, uh, this one from DC to AA. Has the AP staff been getting paid overtime since 2019 – with your work going into January, February every year. We were just talking about that this year. Sounds like you all need a pay raise. Terrific podcast and material, both during the season and offseason. Keep it up. Maybe John can answer this. Is it possible to tag Chris Jones with the plan to trade him, but then rescind the tag before free agency if a trade doesn't happen? That way, Casey could get a potential draft pick, but also not get handicapped at the start of the free agency if it doesn't work out. 
We'll get into a little bit of that uh, as we get into that third segment in this show, which is the seven uh, Chiefs free agents in the top 200. As it turns out, Chris Jones is the number one free agent that Pro Football Focus has in uh, out of 200. And, uh, you know, loosely, uh, before we get to that segment, I... It's too expensive to tag him, but more on that uh, to come uh, later on in this episode. Uh, next one is from Phantom Mark. Maybe it should be called the Gladiators Drive or the Victory March. Your podcast has been fire all season. And then this is a funny username, uh, Steve. This is from Ben Reisler. Uh, for the AP editors, uh, do you think <laughs> Pinnell has a role on this team next season or is it uh, off the couch magic? I, I think... It could be one of those veterans that you keep on the practice squad. They changed the practice squad rules during the COVID situation and kind of left them in place because it gives the team a lot more options. I think Pinnell, especially at this part of his career, is one of those players that's probably most valuable to the Chiefs and and maybe uh, nobody else. Steve Spagnuolo seems to have a good rapport with him. So I could see a scenario uh, with him sticking around. It's not like it's going to cost the Chiefs a ton, and he was actually very, very good uh, in the postseason. All right, so those are our reviews. Once again, leave us a review, and we will read it on the show. Uh, Steve, let's start here with the parade stuff. Uh, as we know, at the conclusion of the Chiefs Super Bowl Champions Parade, there was a, a shooting that broke out uh, that led to 22 being injured and the death uh, of, I believe her name is Lisa Lopez Galvin. Uh, and this has been tough because uh, Lopez Galvin is a, a mother of two local radio host that uh, hosts uh, the the Taste of Tejano. And this uh, ended up being a, a miserable ending to what otherwise was a a fun day. The latest is that two names, Dom- Dominic Miller and Lyndall Mays, uh, have been charged with second-degree mo- murder uh, and, and other counts. It, it does seem like it, it's still a fluid situation and something that is being investigated. It sounds like the 22... 22- Folks that were injured are, are on the mend. Uh, a lot of the, the folks that were in the hospital as a result of gunshot wounds and other injuries, uh, it, it seems to be trending in the right direction as far as they release. So there is some good news uh, with this. Uh, this was tough. I, I, I think this was a situation that uh, nobody uh, expected to happen in Kansas City. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think it, it's to a point where we're expecting this to happen on a weekly slash monthly basis uh, across the country. I'm not trying to turn the Arrowhead Pride podcast into any kind of political debate, but I think it's just another statistic and a long line of statistics of a problem in America. And you, and you hope that uh, we can eventually get to a place uh, that where we can live in a world where we don't have to worry about leaving the house and ending up in a hospital or dead. Uh, this was the case uh, at the parade and uh, really, really unfortunate and pretty jarring. I mean, Steve, we cover the parade from our homes you know i've mentioned this I, I cover the parade from my house because it's just such a huge event it goes into the security of the whole thing it's tough to be in a lot of places at once uh it's not like the parade and chiefs pr gives us any kind of additional media opportunities with the players we see the speeches like you do and we write about them uh, based upon what they say so it's just easier for me to cover at home but when this was going down there's so many questions right away. Is this a one of these mass shootings? It, it ended up, it seems like, from KC police being a dispute between two parties uh, where, uh, unfortunately, Lopez uh, Galvin was shot and just being a bystander uh, at this event. Um, but but again, I, I think immediately my worry was, you know, I know a lot of people down there. 
I've been covering the Chiefs for 10 years. Uh, there's certainly people at the organization that I know. Uh, of course, there were media members that I'm colleagues with now that were down there. And uh, I think you're happy that it, it wasn't worse, but just a terrible, terrible situation on what should have been a really uh, great day, a banner day for Kansas City. Yeah, it cast a shadow over what was supposed to be like one of the few days that brings all of Kansas city together. And it's like one thing you can agree on as a city is that we all love the Kansas city chiefs and what this team has been able to accomplish. Um, and I've seen some people talking about like, you know, do you change this in the future? Like if they win another super bowl and like, do you move it to arrowhead or, or do you do things yeah. to try to, you know, beef up security? And it's like, like, I just think as a city and as a society, we shouldn't have to think that way. And we shouldn't right. have to be afraid to have these kinds of public affairs because of the consequence that goes with, you know, you being there and there being so many people there. And despite the fact that there's, you know, hundreds of police officers, this was still not something that they could prevent. Like, it, it just sucks that this is where we're at uh, as a society. And uh, and my, my heart goes out to everyone who is affected by this because it, it is a tragedy and it's not something that we should have to live through um, as a society anymore. Like every, everything that, that, yeah. that all of the donations and all of that stuff is great. I, I think it would be really cool if the Chiefs would support some policy changes, some, some things that would actually make a difference in, in our society. Yeah, there is always, you know, the initial thoughts and prayers, and then it's not really followed by any kind of change in policy, security, protection, that type of thing. And you definitely think that this will have an impact on future parades. The NBA and NHL will have parades you'd anticipate this summer as they award their championships, and you wonder how maybe this situation impacts those. Is this the end of the parade? I know that was a question, just parades in general. I do wonder uh, how it changes things like that, uh, in the future i don't think you could live in fear i think you got to try to still move forward and, and have things like this uh you know i think though you know if you you suddenly say we're not going to do this type of thing that's how kind of the the evil wins and i don't, I don't think you want to see that but i think there needs to just be some kind of tangible effort uh to make sure these things don't happen again you mentioned the the funds that have been out there uh i know that taylor swift donated a hundred uh thousand dollars to the lopez galvin family same thing with travis kelsey i think he gave a hundred thousand dollars of his own money the chiefs and the nfl and the hunts and the hunt family foundation partnered with united way and created a fund called kansas city strong that will help all the victims and as of this podcast as we're recording here it is about 10 30 on wednesday february 21st uh, the total right now has been raised is $848,190.50. And, uh, and Patrick Mahomes and the Mahomes Foundation had donated 50000 The initial donation from the Chiefs and the Hunts and the NFL was 200000 The Kansas City Royals gave 50000 You know, you had other businesses uh, around the, the city. Um, like Charlie Hustle gave $50,000. Health Forward Foundation gave $100,000. Know, T-Mobile, Hallmark. I see the Seattle Seahawks are involved. Um, you know, a bunch of um, folks trying to trying to make a difference here for for those that were impacted. So, if you're interested in uh, trying to help that fund, because I guess it's within it's within reach of, of getting to a million, you can find it at give.unitedwaygkc.org/p/kcstrong. There's also uh, links on our site, and there are links on 
the Chiefs website. So certainly a, a tough situation following the Super Bowl. I think um, it would have been unfortunate for us not to at least uh, discuss it in some capacity. And uh, we'll see how it does impact, uh, you know, this type of celebration and these type of public events I mean, in, in the future. For what it's worth, I, you know, I, I do think it's it's noteworthy that the mayor was asked about Kansas City in the future parades. I mean, and he didn't back down. We have the St. Patrick's Day parade coming up next month, uh, and it does seem like they're going to go forward with that. I'd imagine the security is going to be a little bit tighter. But um, I think as you go and as you start to have these celebrations where it doesn't end in, in tragedy and, and people running and, and things like that, um, you know, you'll start to feel safer. But I do think uh, it is a problem that needs to be addressed. All right. Uh, we covered that. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, me and Steve will dive into some of our world famous marinated takeaways. Stay with us right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, it's time to get into our world-famous marinated takeaways on the Super Bowl, the season, the back-to-back championships, the four Super Bowls that the Chiefs have. And Steve, usually I will let John go first. Uh, and so I, I'm i always batting second. I was thinking about going first. And I'm just so used to being in that 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 Derek Jeter two-hole. So I'm going to let you go first and let me uh, know what, what you thought uh, about the Super Bowl and really the 2023 season as a whole. You know, so I, I think my biggest takeaway coming out of the Super Bowl really has to do with next season and, and the future and all the decisions that the Chiefs have to make this offseason. And, and and some of this from our contributor, Nate Christensen, who uh, just posted an article this morning on arrowheadpride.com, uh, three reasons why 2024 should be the Chiefs' most aggressive offseason. And I know it's something that he's talked about, and it's something that I totally agree with, but coming out of back-to-back Super Bowls, I am all in on a three-peat now. Like, I am all in on mm. on Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City Chiefs team continuing to shape NFL history. And I think that the last couple of years where, you know, the Chiefs trade away Tyreek Hill and they make this franchise-changing decision and Tyreek Hill is a Hall of Fame player. Like, he, he mm. is the one of the best wide receivers in in the NFL, one of the best wide receivers in NFL history. And he has done nothing but prove that during his time in Miami. But the Chiefs moving on from him and then just nailing draft class after draft class and, and having all of these young players and, and these guys, the, these depth pieces, that they've also been able to afford like slow developing some of these players to make sure that they're ready to step into significant roles when they need them to. 
Like that's an advantage that most NFL teams can't afford. And the Chiefs have managed to do that in back-to-back seasons where they won Super Bowls. And so I, I think that going all in on a three P is like, it's like, if you're not going to do it for this, then what are you going to do it for? Like, like what, what are yeah. you, what's it going to take for you to commit the money and the resources? And I'm not saying put yourselves in a, in a bad cap situation, but I think we would agree that the best version the chiefs could field next season involves Chris Jones and Legarius Sneak being on this team and other, other off season additions or whatever, but let's do it. Let's go all in on this thing. Let's try to change NFL history. Let's be the first franchise in NFL history to go for three straight Super Bowls. And I think this should this I totally agree with Nate in saying that this should be a hyper aggressive offseason for the Chiefs where it, it's not just let's play for the future. Let's play for the future. No, let's play for right now. Let, let's go do this thing and let's change NFL history and try to win three straight Super Bowls. Yeah, I and like I. I don't think it's a necessarily me disagreeing here, but I think it, it is a, a me just kind of explaining to you how I feel based upon conversations I've had with, with people in the building, you know, dating to years ago when they first got Patrick Mahomes. I think there is a valid point to be like, well, look, this is a rare opportunity. I mean, some franchises will never get the opportunity to go on a, a three feet. Uh, this has been a, a case where, eight teams have went back to back and eight teams have failed of winning three Super Bowls in a row. And I think there is a attractive part about, uh, especially now, because I think you've seen from like a fan standpoint, comments on Twitter, comments on our SB nation site, Arrowhead pride and Pat's pulpit Patriots fans are getting involved because now I think they're starting to feel threatened about that. They're um, untouchable run as far as the greatest dynasty in, in NFL history starting to feel a little touchable with the Kansas City Chiefs and and what they're doing. And I think that's fun. I think that's exciting. I think that's good for the game. I think it's good for the history of the game. Uh, And I think it is telling as to, like, the territory the Chiefs are are on. You know, Steve, I I know that you are a a guy that likes to listen to a lot of sports radio, sports talk, things like that. Bill Simmons, Mr. New England, has finally acknowledged that Mahomes is on the Brady corner. Like, for someone who's as pompous as Bill Simmons and nose up and, you know, Brady, everything, all this, all that to say that I think is really telling as to, as to where the chiefs are. And so I understand what everyone is saying, like go all in for this. Now, I think that would be cool. I think the chiefs are going to try their best to do both where they're, they're being somewhat aggressive this off season, trying to, to get back to the Super Bowl. but also you only have Patrick Mahomes for so long, you know, and I know that, Oh, you know, he's only in his twenties. It seems like it's going to be forever. It's 28 now. In two years, it'll be 30. Suddenly, you know, as it goes, it, it feels like time is going to be so long. It happens quickly. You know, I never think that I, I never would think that the Chiefs will, are going to want to put them in cells in some kind of like Los Angeles Rams hole. And for what it's worth, the Rams kind of fell off the cliff and they were back to an extent this year. But I think the Chiefs want to be above average every season. Some years they're going to be teetering along elite. Other years, I think, are going to be like this past year where they were an above average team. The defense was elite. The offense kind of ebbs and flows, but they finally found a way to do enough at the end. And I think what you learned this past season is you don't necessarily have to be the greatest team all time to get it done in the Super Bowl when you have Patrick Mahomes. And that is what has stood out to me. I think the Chiefs will potentially be a little bit more aggressive than previous off seasons. I think you have to be on the offensive side of the ball, especially in the wide receiver room. 
but I never think it's going to be, well, we're going for it this year. And you're like forfeiting potential flexibility for future years. So I buy into both to an extent, but I just, I know how Kansas city is operating and they, they understand that uh, the amount of time you have Patrick Mahomes as a starter, although he is still young, it's finite. It's not this infinite clock. And so I think they'll be smart about that. All right. My first marinated takeaway has to do with the defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. What a performance by Steve Spagnuolo. Listen to this line, Serta. You listening? Eight catches for 86 yards. Pretty good. That's a pretty good line. You know what that was? Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel combined in the Super Bowl. The 49ers, the All-Star team, the Monstars, that was their line combined. Christian McCaffrey got his a little bit, which I think we all expected. And I knew that to an extent you would have to win despite CMC. He's that damn good. But these other receivers are pretty good themselves. Pass catchers, Ayuk, Kittle, Samuel, eight catches, 86 yards combined. This came from John Ledyard, who was our newsletter film expert in AP Premier. This was his film review from the Super Bowl. At some point, we need to have real discourse about how many defensive play callers have ever been better than Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, how absurd is the resume? He's shut down so many of the best offenses the league has ever seen, and he's done it on the biggest stages. The Chiefs have some awesome football players, and then he names, led your names, Jones, Sneed, McDuffie, but far from this star-studded group. The blitz schemes are diabolical. He can play any coverage and constantly alters his shells to confuse opposing offenses. His game planning is tremendous from opponent to opponent. Spags' player development is probably the aspect of his profile that gets overlooked the most. And then he says this, and this was a, a key part to me. How crazy is it that he had Shamari Connor ready to play like this as a rookie, covering George Kittle with the game on the line? That has turned everyone the Chiefs give him into solid situational pass rushers. He's developed Casey into a four-deep group at linebacker in an age where teams are scrambling for one competent second-level defender. Top-to-bottom, Hall of Fame-level job by Spags again. I think Kay Adams mentioned on uh, Up and Adams, uh, what is that, FanDuel? She has said and, and made the point, I don't think coordinators ever made it to the Hall of Fame. Steve's going to be the first. Uh, you know, and Obviously, he had that, that small stretch as a head coach. People say, well, maybe Spagnolo is the guy to replace Reed when he's done. I mean, they're, they're the same age, so that doesn't make a ton of sense. I think he's just going to be this forever coordinator. Uh, to your point, Steve, and, and going back to the last one, if they are able to pull off the, the three-peat, Spagnolo is going to be a big part of it. He was the one who came in for Bob Sutton, has been a part of every championship, and I think he's putting together what will be a pro football Hall of Fame career uh, as a coordinator. And I, I think you know that's that's paving the way in a sense for, especially with the way the NFL is designed now. I think you're seeing like the way that the Chiefs do it uh, much more than maybe you see Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick wants his hands in every little thing. And he's a head coach here, but he kind of lets Spagnola be the defensive head coach. And I think you see the impact of that. And before I throw it to you for comments on that point, Steve, I do want to bump uh, a reminder of AP Premier. We'll be rolling through the offseason uh, with one to two newsletters a week as we get ready for free agency in the NFL draft. Uh, John Ledyard was involved all year, did an excellent job uh, giving us a bonus film review, and it's still available to you. If you want to subscribe to our AP Premier newsletter, you can do so arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. Anyway, Steve, just a tremendous job uh, by Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah, I don't think we can overstate his importance to this run that the Chiefs are on. And yes, last season was the best version of that, where their personnel 
just hit everywhere across the board on the defensive side of the ball, which is why we saw the Chiefs defense like put together an all time caliber season that is somehow still like going to wind up getting lost in the shuffle of all of this stuff. Like, I, I feel like that defense is going to be remembered forever here in Kansas City, but like national wise, NFL landscape wise, like I feel like it's still going to wind up being lost in the shuffle, even though they were so special last season. But that's something that you can point to over the last few years and, and the way that the defense has gotten better and the way that they've developed some of these guys and, and the way that they've gotten all of these guys to like Steve Spagnolo has been incredible at putting guys in specific roles and saying, this is what we need from you. This is what we need from you in your small area of the field because every other guy is doing this and this is how all the gears wind up fitting together and, and everything turns on the defensive side of the ball. He's tremendous. And it really brings me to my next marinated takeaway, which is the chiefs retaining their coaching staff year after year, the way that they have is the biggest non Mahomes advantage that they have uh, uh, over any other team in the NFL. And be like, I, I haven't really talked to you about this, but I've been talking about it a lot on Arrowhead Pride. Like, I don't really understand it. I, I guess it's because they're an older staff and everybody wants, you know, the next, you know, Sean McVay disciple or Kyle Shanahan disciple because we've seen other teams uh, have success with those guys more so than, you know, the the Bill Belichick disciples, which have been a disaster for the most part. Like, the Chiefs being able to just run this back with the coaching staff where we see so much upheaval on NFL coaching staffs across the league. Like we saw what happened with the Eagles last year. Like none of us knew that Shane Steichen really was that important to the way that right. they function. And it, it totally fell apart for Philadelphia, despite the fact that they still had Super Bowl caliber talent on that roster. They just totally fell apart because the coaching staff just wasn't uh, up to par with with the standard that they had set the previous season. And the Chiefs just run this back every single year for whatever reason, because teams aren't willing to to give the guys on their staff uh, head coaching opportunities anymore. And it doesn't seem like that's going to change. And then we even see position coaches like Dave Merritt and Joe Cullen just say, yeah, I'm fine in Kansas City. I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just stick here, stay on Spag staff. I, I know we got players. I know we're competing for championships and we're, we're fine staying here like it's a tremendous advantage that the chiefs have over the rest of the NFL right now. And I don't really see it changing anytime soon. Yeah. You quietly saw that Joe Cullen got a raise. We know that Steve Spagnuolo was extended. Dave Tobe was extended years and years ago. Dave Tobe was floated out for potential head coaching jobs from that special teams track. Never really ended up happening for him. We have seen, I think in recent years, Mike Kafka seems to be on the fast track. He ended up going to the, New York Giants interviewed a few times this past uh, offseason after having an offensive coordinator role. I think he was promoted by the Giants with the senior. I don't even remember the exact title, but he was promoted to an extent. And so you're seeing a few here and there, but you're right. It's not it's not been a ton. I know that Dave Merritt has proven to be someone that we really enjoy speaking to during the assistant coach days. I tend to think he could be a defensive coordinator in the future, but he was asked point blank during a, one of those days this year about wanting to be a D coordinator and he has said his family life has prevented him. He's wanted to stay position coach until his kids are through college. And I think that's coming up, but you know, it hasn't been the case. And so the chiefs have been able to take advantage of something like that and keep him 
with the team. And I think Dave Merritt is a name that probably doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to just how good the secondary has been these past few years. Uh, and so as you go, I, at some point, I, I think that wall will break. But until then, it's good for the Chiefs to have managed to keep all the, these guys, especially Reed Spagnuolo and Tobe. They've just been so good. And sometimes they're a little bit younger in certain years, and it really hasn't mattered. And this was a really youthful defense aside from a, a few players and certainly the best defense we've seen since Patrick Mahomes took over and uh, again I, I think that leads you to that first point that you had it's just like man it would be really nice to keep the band together um, more on that in, in the next segment my next marinated takeaway uh, is a two-pronged point and uh, first of all here's 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 the first I think for all the problems that we have had with Andy Reid and his short yardage plays. How about the Tom and Jerry corn dog with mustard thing being the perfect play at the perfect time? And just this idea that, okay, there are some times when you're just like, Andy, and it's third and two, it's third and one. You have the Sonic the Hedgehog back there, number 10. Just run, run with them. He'll figure it out. He'll find a way to get the first down. He'll find a way. And then there are other times when I mean, it, it is a little bit more complicated of a play, but it ends up being the perfect call, a little bit unconventional. But this was the same type of thing from last year where you motion Hardman, gets lost in the shuffle, and there he is to make a catch, which, by the way, didn't even seem like he knew it was for the game. How, how the 49ers, this, I don't want to go off on another tangent, but how the 49ers didn't know the rules, and then how McCole Hardman didn't know that he won the Super Bowl at the time, it just it always is incredible to me. But good for him. It probably helped him make the catch. I feel like if you knew that the Super Bowl championship was on the line, maybe you dropped that ball. But anyway, back to Andy Reid. What a call uh, at the right time. And I, I think this leads me to my second prom. Can we stop with this retirement stuff? I'm going to be very clear here. And I, you know, I feel like I only know this from covering Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid for you know this whole era and, and just knowing them and how they kind of allude to things, but don't go all in because they know it's disrespectful and stuff at the at the podium and in interviews they're never going to say this directly but I, I don't know how to make this like more clear patrick mahomes wants seven super bowls just like andy reed wants six these guys would never say it but they want to be the best quarterback and head coach of all time and i think so long as andy reed's health is okay and as he goes here he's getting closer and closer to being in that greatest head coach conversation what if they do repeat and he's at four his contract's not but not up till 25 and again he's six years younger than bill belichick could he understandably sign another three to five year deal and then what if he does get to six you know i think that as much as andy reed will always talk about the hall of fame always talk about his fellow coaches always gives them respect i think he and his bones his big red body I think he thinks that he's the greatest head coach of all time, but I think he also realizes he needs the championships to be in that conversation. You can only get championships by remaining a head coach. And so now you're also afforded this grand opportunity. If you and the Chiefs put them out all the time during the regular season, they always put out that list of, and Belichick is well ahead of Reed by like a season or two. Bill Belichick's not coaching this year. What an opportunity for Andy Reed to catch up uh, when it's in terms of, of wins, he's you know, how many wins Bill Belichick is going to have this year, Steve? Zero. And so now Andy Reid can get there, get a little bit of advantage with wins. He's got Andy Reid's not going anywhere. And uh, again, huge asterisk, so long as his health is okay, which is always a mystery to us. It's not like they give 
coaches' injury reports, but I, I just want to make it clear here. Although these guys are not saying it, they want it. I mean, they, they I mean, Mahomes to get to seven, well, or maybe even eight, you know, let's not get crazy. And Andy definitely wants to get to six, or at least in the range, so that he can be in that conversation, much like Kobe, you know, never got to six, but it, he has enough to be in the conversation with Michael Jordan. I think Andy wants that. Oh, and let's be real here. It's a it's a certain clickbait publication that continuously puts us <laughs> out there just to yeah. just to get clicks and interaction online. And then Andy Reid every year is like, I don't know why people keep asking me this. Right. Like, he almost I laughs at, the at it. Yeah, like I haven't talked about it. I am focused on winning football games this season. I guarantee you the year that Andy Reid decides to retire, we'll know like we'll we'll have some indications ahead of time. That, that like this is the last go around for him and it, it'll be on his own terms. It's not going to be a, a clickbaity headline on an internet website that doesn't really have any affiliation with the chiefs. Yeah, no, I, I agree. All right. What's your final marinade takeaway, Steve? This really is just the, the season as a whole that ended in a back to back Super Bowl title. And it's really, it's just, you can't ever doubt Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and this coaching staff. And trust me, this season tested me more so than I have ever been tested. And there was some weeks in there. Uh, I think the the win over the Patriots uh, was one of those weeks where I was very frustrated. Like, yeah, they beat a three-win football team, but it was still very ugly and they didn't look very confident in doing it. Like, there were some weeks this regular season where I was like, they just do not have it this year. I don't think they can overcome this stuff. And as we've talked about year after year with this Kansas City Chiefs team, it's even when they're loaded up with superstars across the board or a season like this where they can't seem to figure things out on offense, the regular season is just a trial run for them at this point. It's just practice for them. Yes, you have to be competitive and you have to win games, but they're banking on the idea that Patrick Mahomes is always going to keep them in games, no matter what, no matter what the personnel is. And then the rest of it is just figuring things out and figuring out yep. what each guy is best at for the playoffs. And they did that to perfection this season. Um, it, it took a lot longer than any of us wanted it to. I, I've said multiple times, I don't think they had, they, they for sure had the playoff outline in place until week 17 of the regular season. Like I legitimately believe that it took them that long to really figure things out, but they got it figured out and they got it figured out just in time for the postseason. And then we saw them put on a, a coaching masterclass where the chief said, we believe that we have the stars and the talent to go toe to toe with any team in the postseason. And they did that. And they had the toughest playoff run in NFL history and it all led to another Super Bowl title. So at this point, I know there's going to be a lot of conversation as there is each and every year. And everybody's going to say, this is the Bills year. This is the mm -hmm. Bengals year. The they Texans already started are, with the Bengals. Did you see yeah, Roto World the or, other day? Or, yeah. or CJ Stroud and the Texans are, are on their way. <laughs> They're going to load up on free agents this offseason. Okay. But I am never, ever doubting Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid again. I am never, ever doubting this version of the Chiefs ever again until we see some kind of like legitimate dramatic drop off. I am never ever doubting that this team can go to a Super Bowl as long as they have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I agree with you, Steve, and, and that leads me into my my final point. And it, look, I, I know there are some of you out here that that don't want to hear from Soapbox Sweeney today. And so what I would do is fast forward this podcast maybe one to two minutes. But we need to have our own little 
Nick Wright moment here on the AP Podcast Network with special shout outs to you, Steve. I'm glad you're here today. Rocky Magana, Aaron Ladd, Tom Childs, and Ron the Show Hughley. Can we not have the Week 8 freak out anymore? The negative Nancys of the AP Podcast Network, we love you. I love having different opinions on this podcast network, but can we not do the, oh no, MVS dropped a pass on a Monday night. This team is doomed. Oh, it's the Packers game now. Wasn't called on uh, for DPI because the Chiefs would have probably won if they actually make that call, but they lost. The season is over. It's a disaster. They're done. Veach needs to be questioned. This person needs to be held accountable. That. The last four touchdown catches in the Super Bowl, Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, McCole Hardman. You have Patrick Mahomes. You're making my point for me, Steve. Thank, thank you that you found your come-to-Jesus moment. You have Patrick Mahomes. So the team doesn't really need to be all that good when you have Mahomes, and especially when you have Steve Spagnolo and a cast of characters on defense that can make up for some of those problems on, on offense. I said it. I said it all year. I said, I think they have enough to win the Super Bowl because the defense is so good and they have Patrick Mahomes. And so that's where Soapbox Sweeney comes into play. I know it, it's not uh, always the best radio content to hear. I told you so radio, but I had to take at least one moment to say, I told y'all to relax. And then what happened? You ended up getting a back-to-back Super Bowl. So the next time you want to get on X, you want to call our, our coast-to-coast line, you want to be... Uh, down and out like uh, Aaron Ladd or Tom Childs and sad and, and complaining like Rocky. Remember that you have Patrick Mahomes. And I love what Veach said at the parade, obviously, before all the BS happened with all the stuff and, and after where he's just like naming how the years were a return to glory. Right. And then the rebuilding year was a Super Bowl title the quote-unquote down year with Super Bowl title. Because like Veach knows, and he's known this for a long time, he has Patrick Mahomes. And so Patrick Mahomes can be the grand mess to a lot of these issues. And to all your guys uh, is his credit. I, you know, I think, you know, if I'm being honest here, you play the season a ton of times. How many times are they really winning the Super Bowl? But I just think Mahomes is the Michael Jordan of the NFL. Uh, we'll see if he surpasses Brady. But when you have that guy, and especially when you are so excellent as the Chiefs were at, at defending and allowing Mahomes some breathing room when it comes to, like, let me find a way to make this work. He, he, he proved this year that he can win in different ways. And I think that's the scariest part about this team and, and this era here of, of Chiefs football. You, you saw that he can win by throwing the ball all the way down the field. This was a very tough year. And he had the presence of mind and took a little bit. He looked pretty bad at the beginning of the year to, to you guys and, and what you were saying. But he found a way. He, he realized he had to live in the intermediate. He had to live with uh, taking first downs and um, with the defense playing as well as it did. As long as he didn't make mistakes and put him in bad positions, they were always going to have a chance to win. And with him, that really was all that you needed in the long run. And I think that's why you saw them win a title. And let's be clear here. The Chiefs stole one. This was a grand opportunity for some of the better NFC teams and certainly the AFC teams to go and get one. And they're going to regret uh, I think especially when you think about Buffalo and Baltimore in particular, you had him one of the one and, and you know, using Meech's words in a down season in your building, your places were rocking and you, you couldn't find a way to do it. And now if the Chiefs do go get a T Higgins or a Mike Evans, get some receiver in place, you add one in the draft. How great was the Rasheed Rice pick? Now, now you have Rice, you have receiver X and free agency and Travis Kelsey. Sure. A little bit slower, but still proved, I think in the, especially in the stretch run, they can still do it. You missed your opportunity there. Um, but again, 
no more questioning Patrick Mahomes in week eight. I think that's my my grand point here, Steve. Yeah, I'm guilty of it. <laughs> I, I mean, really, it, it was a question of, I just think everything else around him is bad. Um, but yeah, it's they're going to get the most out of the guys that they have. And in the playoffs, they're going to try to put those guys in the best positions possible to make plays. And we saw them execute that to near uh, flawless levels in this year's postseason. All right. When we come back, we are going to take an initial look here at the free agents that the Chiefs have. PFF came out with a top 200. The Chiefs had seven of them. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen with them initially here, right here on the Arrowhead Pride podcast and the AP Editor Show. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney with Steve Serta, our Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, filling in. Steve, uh, we are entering what is the free agency part of the offseason. And with that comes uh, a tough time, I think, in Kansas City, especially when you're coming off a championship. Just the idea that you're going to lose some of the players that were able to make it happen. So Pro Football Focus came up with their list of the top 200 players set to be available. I will read their names quickly. And uh, then we can have a discussion on what we think happens with them. Uh, first of all, the Chiefs had the number one free agent possible, and that's defensive tackle Chris Jones. He was at number one. He's entering his uh, 30 uh, age season. And and here's the tough part. A tag for Jones would land north of $33 million. And so I think that creates quite a conundrum for the Chiefs. Another great free agent the Chiefs have coming at number 10, cornerback Legereus Sneed. What a pick. Uh, by Brett Beach a few years ago. He's turned into one of the better cornerbacks in the league. Number 81, linebacker Drew Tranquil. What were the Chargers thinking by letting this guy go and going to the Chiefs for just such a small amount of money? I believe it was one year, $3 million. Number 102, homegrown talent, pass rusher Mike Dana. Number 105, same thing, linebacker Willie Gay Jr. Number 117 of 200, offensive tackle Donovan Smith needed to come in and, and fill in left tackle so he could swing. Jawan Taylor over to the right. And the number 148 safety, Mike Edwards. These seven Chiefs were among the top 200 pro football-focused free agents. Once again, number one, defensive tackle Chris Jones. Number 10, cornerback LeJarius Sneed. Number 81, linebacker Drew Tranquil. Number 102, pass rusher Mike Dana. Number 105, linebacker Willie Gay Jr. Number 117, offensive tackle Donovan Smith. And number 148, Mike Edwards. So here's what happens now, Steve. Free agency will officially begin... Uh, on March 13th at uh, 3 p.m. Arrowhead time. But teams are allowed to start negotiating with free agents. This is called the legal tampering period on March 11th, 2024 at 11 a.m. Arrowhead time. We'll, of course, have all the coverage for you at arrowheadpride.com. Uh, right now, the Chiefs and Brett Veach, uh, they're coming up with off-season plans. You know, they're, they're seeing what they have in front of them. They're having these meetings, these draft meetings, these free agency meetings. They're saying, okay, how can we possibly make this team better? and uh, keep the team under the cap. And that gets complicated with how many free agents we're talking about that had real 
integral roles on the Chiefs. And if they go elsewhere, you're going to have to figure it out. So here's my analysis right now. Now, keep in mind, like, this can change fast, right? I mean, we could do this podcast. Uh, Veach can come up with a long-term extension for Legere, Sneed, Tag, Jones, and then, you know, it, the whole thing changes. So this is the way that I feel things are going to go right now. I think when you look at Chris Jones, and we talked about the tag for $33 million, that's because of how much he made in 2023. I don't think you could tag him. You know, as much as people are saying, like, the Chiefs have to tag him, they don't have any depth at defensive tackle. Like, I understand that, but I just don't think you could handcuff your team in that capacity. We just went over how much Mahomes matters with your chances of winning. I mean, as we saw with the Tyree kill trade, and this is an unfortunate part of doing business in the NFL, like, there's only one player that the Chiefs wouldn't move, of course, and that's Patrick Mahomes. And so I think just considering how much it'll take to tag Jones, and and here's a key part of it for me, just the representation. Remember those guys from week one, Steve, that were that were flanking Jones at Arrowhead in the box? What a weird move that was. Like, I don't know if they are going to be telling Jones, like, you love Kansas City. We should try to work with the Chiefs and be, come up with a value deal. Take, I think they want him to get to the open market. And you have a, you have a player with representation that is no doubt going to want him to be on the open market to see what he can get while probably like an inability to tag him. I hate to say this, but I think Chris Jones is gone. I mean, I really think that he's going to price himself out of Kansas City in the open market. I think the Chiefs tag Sneed, and he returns on a nice contract. Uh, and I, I think that because Sneed, from what I've heard, you know, as the years have gone on, is somebody that they've wanted to keep in the building. I think on Tranquil, all the indications are that, that he really loved Kansas City. I know that for a fact... He liked Kansas City a lot better than Los Angeles for his family. This is a guy with kid, a wife and kids, and he, he enjoyed how the team um, you know, took him in. You saw him on the parade broadcast saying something to the extent where, like, this is so much better than L.A. You know, L.A. can, can be compared to a lot of cities, so I think Midwest really fits you know, what he's looking for in a place to live. And so I think he takes a team-friendly contract to remain with the club. Mike Dana, I don't know on Dana. Depends on what he wants, but I lean him going elsewhere because you have Felix Anoduke Uzama on a rookie contract. I think Gay goes and and gets more money than Kansas City is going to be willing to give him. I think he he knew that if you really watch the Super Bowl interviews. And then Donovan Smith won't be back. Wanye Morris is here for a reason. You saw him step in in the middle of the year. I think he'll be better and stronger when you get to 2024's training camp. And I also thought Mike Edwards played a nice role for the Chiefs, but I think he's going to be able to make a little bit more money than the Chiefs are going to want to spend. And how good are they at drafting defensive backs? I mean, and Nazi Johnson, too. I know quarterback, but he he should be back in the mix as well. I think you feel okay about the depth there and not having to pay. I think you're going to want to spend those resources in, in other directions. And so that's kind of how I feel with those seven free agents. Uh, Steve, where do you land on, on some of those things I said? Do you agree, disagree? Feel free to weigh in here. I think I agree with you on virtually everything. Um, you know, Chris Jones, I, I, did, I just don't see uh a scenario where the chiefs are willing to tag him at that number i I think it's just too high for one year and you can tag sneed at a significantly lower number and it gives you more flexibility so just franchise tagging in general when it's that high and it's that much just dedicated cap you're just not going to see very many teams do it so that's also why you know and john would be uh more qualified to talk about this than me but it's also why like 
franchise tagging him and then trying to trade him, I don't think is realistic because that's going to be a high cap number for anybody. And so then it comes down to like, okay, well, we'd like to have a long-term deal in place if we're going to trade for him. And it it, it gets really complicated. So uh, I obviously I I mentioned, I I would like to see Chris Jones back at this point and, you know, everything that he said, Super Bowl parade day, like he, Mm -hmm. he plans on not leaving. Hopefully. I don't know if Chris Jones was just hammered or if that's actually, you know, the, the excellent representation that I'm talking about took that moment to tweet out someone take the mic from Jones or something than that yeah. with a laughing he emoji. Should, he should also fire those guys because it does yes. not seem like they're yep. good agents um, and they don't represent anybody who is nearly as big as Chris Jones. So they're no. really banking on him to to bring them in. Uh, quite literally. Yes, quite literally. So, yeah. um, but I, I if I, I think with Jones, I, I think it's it's contract extension or he's hitting the open market. I think Snead is a legitimate uh, franchise tag candidate just because the the cap hit would be so much lower than, than what you'd be looking at with Chris Jones. But like, I, I think I totally agree with you on um, Drew Tranquil. I, I feel like he's got team friendly deal written all over him. Obviously we saw how impactful he was for them this season. I think he really proved it on that one year deal that like he deserves to be back. And I think just, you know, if, if you want to take anything away from just how coaches and players talked about him this season, it just seems like they absolutely love him as a player. And yeah. that, that's not to say that they don't love Willie Gay. Like we've seen some really great stuff from Willie Gay over the last few years and like his personality in the locker room, like he's really funny, engaging, like his teammates seem to absolutely love him. But like you mentioned, Pete, I think Gay is a talented, super athletic linebacker who is still, um, who is still young and, there's just not that many linebackers in the NFL right now who you're like, okay, that guy can play like sideline to sideline. That guy's athletic enough to cover running backs, to, to cover tight ends. to like keep up with everybody. And Willie Gay has really shown some productive flashes. So I feel like he could get a nice contract. So I, I don't envision him being back. And overall, I think the chiefs just have the depth already on the roster and young guys that they've drafted and developed that they can overcome uh, most of this stuff outside of the Chris yeah. Jones and the Legereus need. And even in the secondary, like I, they've got the cornerback depth. I just don't want Snead to leave because he was yeah. so good. this I, season. I, I know that there's a lot of like fans trying to be optimistic and like kind of saying to themselves, yeah, they can keep Chris Jones and Legereus need. I would be stunned. I, it, it's gotta be one or the other. I mean, I just think that that is the way it's going to play out. Like maybe there is a scenario. Cause if you really look at the, if you look at the roster, uh, you don't really have a ton of depth inside beyond Jones. I mean, there's nothing. And you, Derek you, Dottie is not going to be yeah. back, I would assume. You wonder about Omenihu and his status, too. I mean, he has a torn ACL. Like, it's, I don't think he's going to be ready for September, right? So, like, what do you even do in, in that sense on the roster? And so, um, you know, maybe there's a case, like, as you go through scenarios in your head where the Chiefs just go all in give Jones what he wants, you tag and trade Snead. But that just, to me, screams like not a very Chiefs things to, thing to do. I was talking with Ron Kopp and Jared Sapp on, about this in our in our Slack channel. I just think I think the representation that we've been discussing just makes makes all the difference because they just are they're going to tell Jones that we want the biggest contract possible. And I just don't think that that is a, a scenario that lands them into Kansas City unless there's a complete change of heart where Jones says to these guys work with the chiefs. I know they're giving me a fair deal. I know it's not going to be as much in the open market, but I want to take that deal. 
that is something that could happen. I just don't see it playing out that way. And so if you look at this list, and I, I was curious about this, I, I it, like if the representation prices you out, let's so of Jones and say, so you, you know, you get Sneed on this list of PFF free agents, Steve was 20 plus interior defensive linemen, meaning if Chris Jones wants to play the Orlando Brown Jr. game, guess what Brett Veach is going to have? He's going to have his Jawan Taylor in place. Another defensive tackle around the league. Maybe not as good as Chris Jones. Probably, you know, probably most likely not as close, good or close to it, but enough where maybe there's two guys he brings in. And what I think the Chiefs have been so good at offensively and defensively is changing their scheme and game plans to fit the players that they had. So I just think it's if, if Chris Jones really wants to be with the Chiefs moving forward, I just think that he's going to be playing in dangerous waters by, you know, making certain demands. I don't, I think that between Jones and Orlando Brown and Tyree Kill, we've seen off seasons where the Chiefs' money has been tied up. And that's really frustrated Beach and, and company of like not being able to maneuver in free agency and do it. I don't think they're going to want to be tied up again. And I just, I think with all the aspects that go into the scenario of Chris Jones, I just, I think right now, and again, this can change with new information. I just don't see how he can, how he'd be back um, for a reasonable price. Yeah, I, I think that they already have the depth on the roster to overcome everything except for Chris Jones leaving. Like, exactly, which is like, which is what is it's it makes it it makes this whole thing really hard to wrap your head around because I don't disagree with that, but I also don't see how he comes back. You know what I mean? I yeah. I, well, I don't. And, you know, Tamari Connor's going to have a bigger role next season. Brian Cook yeah. is going to be back and healthy. Um, so safety, like you already have the depth there in the safety room. Linebacker Leo Chanel took a huge step forward this season, and I would expect that he's going to be a starter next year. And they bring back Drew Tranquil. They still have Nick Bolton. Like linebacker room looks really good. And then it's okay. You got George. You got Felix. You hope to have Charles Amenahu back at some point next season, but you could probably use another edge rusher. And your defensive tackle room is totally decimated right now. Like, right. and that's the thing is like, I, I do agree that like, they could be like, well, we've got, we've got another guy bookmarked that we'd be interested in who, you know, might not be Chris Jones, but could still be an effective player for us. I just don't think that there's very many defensive tackles across the league right now that are in the same league as like Chris Jones and Aaron Donald. Like there's Dexter Lawrence, like mm -hmm. Derek Brown ha had a nice year this year, but like, there's just not that many guys from the interior who are as good as he is. So yes, it, it would take some retooling. Um, but I, I think that's, that's the one position where it's like you let Chris Jones walk and it's like, we're, we're talking total rebuild in the defensive tackle. That's why I you was such a killer. Cause he was a monster toward the end of the year. And I think, you know, he's like an inside-outside guy. I think if he had he been healthy and you're saying to yourself, all right, you get two replacement-level defensive tackles in, maybe you draft one, and maybe you get Naughty back, right? Now now you're you're putting more pressure on Karloftis and Amenahu, and I think you're feeling okay, especially with Felix, and you kind of see how he develops year one to year two. But, yeah, it's, it's tough because that position room uh, is – is very, very thin, um, you know, about as thin as you could be. And, you know, you're saying goodbye to a player who makes up for all that, really uh, the best player in the market at that position. It's a, it's a very tough decision uh, and it'll be fascinating to see how the chiefs navigate it.
I like I said, I I think ultimately I think Jones walks, goes to another team, and Snead stays. But uh, this can change. It's a very very fluid offseason, and I, you know you you hope that you're wrong here because it's been really fun to watch Chris Jones and certainly this defense. It would be great to to live in a world where they could keep this defense together, but I it's hard for me to see that happening at least at, at this juncture. I do right. think they're oh, secondary. I do think they're secondary too. Like if Chris Jones walks and they have to retool the defensive line and figure things out and say, okay, we got to lean on George more. George is going to yeah. be a guy or something like that. Um, the secondary is going to help with all of that though, too, because they're secondary, right. especially if they bring Snead back, they can lock down anybody that's going to hopefully translate to some sacks and, and things like that. Like it's not the end of the world, it's just I would like to see you if know, they can put this defense together for another run like they had this season. And just because it's fresh in our minds, Steve, I mean, I was at the Super Bowl in, in Vegas, and I'm sure you were you were watching on TV, but like it just seemed like Brock Purdy had a ton of time in that game, didn't it? And these are elite, elite pass catchers. And yet it it, it didn't matter with the secondary. So like look, I'm not trying to sell anyone on life after chris jones i'm just trying to depict where like reality might be okay you know i think reality is you may you may not have them or you probably won't have them so how do you live in that world and still win i just think there are some signs to feel like you can at least manage but who knows maybe we're wrong here maybe chris jones says to uh his two buddies uh, from week one look i want to be in kansas city make it happen that's what i want made happen you know not necessarily getting the greatest contract i just I don't see that. Um, and to your point too, it's like he's their he's their best client, and it's it's you know no one close after that. So this is this is the contract that is kind of going to make them the mo- most money, make them the most money of their career as well. So it's important to keep in mind. All right, uh, let's get into uh, the snap count takeaways from John. John's not here. He did this like work for us before he went on his grand expedition. Uh, but the he said that in the Super Bowl at wide receiver Rice. Uh, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling at receiver spent the most time on the field. I think this opens up a discussion of is MBS going to be willing to take a pay cut here to stay in Kansas City? He seemed at the end of the year to really like what the Chiefs have here. I think he I think he realized from some some tales that I've heard uh, inside the building, I think he had, he realized uh, that you know with his current cap number there is no way that the Chiefs would keep him at that. It was 13.98 uh, for 2024. So I do wonder uh, if he goes to Brett Veach and says, uh, I'm willing to take less money to stay. Uh, what do you think, Steve? Do you think that, that that is a potential of him happening? Because one thing I know for sure here is he can't stay with the team at that number. Yeah, I think he's the most likely Chief to take some kind of restructure for less yeah. money to stay. If on he the wants team. to be here. I, I don't yeah, know because I mean, it's obviously he's, he's had two really impactful postseasons now, but regular season wise, like he was one of the worst wide receivers in football last year. Like just to be totally yeah. blunt about it, like during the regular season, he was running as many routes as some of the like top starting wide receivers in football. And he was one of the least efficient players in all of the NFL. Like you can't pay that guy $13 million to do that during the regular season, just for postseason performance, when you can find guys that can still be effective in the role that he has on the team. Yeah. It would have to be a pay cut. Um, if you're having me choose one or the other, I, I tend to think he's gone. Uh, running back, uh, Jerick McKinnon had 22% of the offensive snaps in his return. That's pretty impressive, man. Uh, he had core muscle surgery 
in early January. Uh, I was at the Super Bowl. I talked about this in our podcast. I ended up uh, having some egg in my face a little bit, but I talked to Clyde. The impression that I got was he was there for support, and maybe he surprised himself with just how good he felt on the practice field. But key part of the Super Bowl, and he actually ended up cutting into Clyde's snaps in this game. Uh, Jerick McKinnon, uh, ageless wonder. Uh, if he uh, wants to retire, I think he had a great career. Uh, very, very hard to come back from two years out of football. We know about all the injury stuff that he had in the middle of his career. But if he wants to come back for a veteran minimum type of, of deal for Kansas City, I, I think the Chiefs would welcome him. Why not keep him in the room if you can? I think Clyde will be uh, elsewhere after this year. To me, to the Super Bowl with Jarek, because I I was totally shocked that he got as many snaps as he Couldn't did. Believe it. And, and, and had some key plays, like had, had a huge uh, first down pickup in this game. Um, but I, it, it also, to me, kind of felt like this is, uh, hey, we love Jet McKinnon. Uh, he he's everybody's favorite guy in the locker room, and we've had we've heard Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes talk about like the the guys on this team love Jarek McKinnon. Like he is mm-hmm. considered like one of the best locker room guys, like one of the best teammates that they have. And so it also kind of felt like a uh, like this is the last go round to me. Like this is uh, hey, you, you got healthy, you worked your tail off to get here. We're going to give you some opportunities in the Super Bowl because of everything that you've meant to us over the last couple of years. I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't retired yet. Uh, to your point, I wonder if uh, he tries to do one more year because this year was pretty injury filled, and I think a lot of times guys just want to have one more good year. But 31, 32, that's pretty old for a running back. Curious to see what happens with him. I think for a veteran minimum type of deal, the Chiefs would welcome him back in, though. So we will see on McKinnon. At offensive line, kudos to Nick Allegretti. Uh, the Chiefs have had uh, situations, as we know, in the past in the Super Bowl where they got to go to the third string at offensive linemen, and that is never uh, a good thing, as uh, they learned against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tears is UCL. That's the elbow injury that typically for pitchers in the MLB would require you to have Tommy John surgery. Doesn't miss a snap in this game. What a gritty performance. Uh, I think this is a shame for Nick because Nick's been a pretty good backup these past couple of years. And I think especially after his postseason run, you know, filling in for uh, Joe Tooney, who had the pec stuff. I think he might have wanted to go elsewhere to start and it maybe had a reasonable you know, case to at least – uh, compete for a starting job somewhere, um, uh, you know, around the NFL uh, as a free agent. And now, uh, rather than trying to explore free teams as a healthy free agent, you wonder his timetable for recovery. But at the parade, he he caught up with one of the forty-one reporters, and he said, "You know, the bottom line was I could I could find a way to play, so I played." And you do wonder what happens in the Super Bowl if you're down to your third string guard. I don't, you know, it's not a situation that you you necessarily want, and so. I just think that stands out from the snap counts. The guy tore his UCL and played the entire game, Steve. Yeah. Um, just that that's another one of those things that is going to get forgotten by most people and kind of lost in the shuffle. But Nick Allegretti will be remembered by Kansas City Chiefs fans forever. Like he's just going to be one of those players. Like, remember when Nick Allegretti played through a torn UCL <laughs> of the Super Bowl? Good trivia question. And kudos to him, too. Uh, like almost like a makeup. The last time he was like filling in was with Super Bowl 2020, where the Chiefs just got thrashed. And so much better supporting cast this time around for Allegretti. And 
you saw the results of that. Patrick Mahomes had his time. They were able to find a way to win. Uh, last point, defensive end. Uh, Amenahi was out of the mix. And Herring, Malik Herring, and Felix Anaduke Izama combined for 33% of the snaps to fill in for Amenahi. I, I think Felix, to his name, had seven snaps. Uh, that type of experience helps moving forward. It gives you confidence uh, for future years. And, you know, Felix is a first-round pick. I, I think they always looked at this year as a developmental year see what they have uh, in Felix and see if they can uh, get him in a place to contribute in, in 2024. And I think a little bit um, a little bit less than I think people wanted to see out of him in year one. But still, I think there were some promising signs and everything from the coaching staff. And of course, this is coaching staff podium stuff. And so you take it with a grain of salt. But they said it was more of a, well, the veterans in front of him were good than anything maybe damning about Felix himself. And I think good for him to get in the game. And he had a Four-yard stop at Christian McCaffrey in this one, Steve. Yeah, and that was a big play. And, you know, we saw him be uh, healthy and active for most of the playoffs. Um, yeah. But it, it's – and for everybody who's, like, you know, seriously doubting, like, obviously you want to see your first-round pick uh, be in the mix a little bit more. But, yeah, to Pete's point, like, Mike Dana was way better than Felix uh, as a rookie. Uh, yeah. George Karloftis took a huge step and year number two. And – was clearly significantly better than Felix was. And Charles Amenahu down the stretch was one of the biggest difference makers on the chief's defensive line. So like they just had a lot of depth there and it's a great situation to be in. And this, and Joe Colon has really done a good job uh, of coaching that defensive lineup over the last few seasons. So like, I, I think that Felix is in a good spot here moving forward. Now, you know, maybe he never turns into a superstar player or anything like that, but I, I don't think that Chiefs fans should be worried about him just because he didn't play as much as you would like to see in his rookie season. I just think that that was a particular area of strength for the Kansas City Chiefs, and when they took him at, at that position in the draft, he was the best player available for them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it it was a tough draft for KC. I mean, we've said it a million times. They were trying to trade up for a receiver. Got the phone hung up on them a couple by a couple different teams. You're, I also think that's interesting. You're seeing rumblings now of, of any kind of trade that might help the Chiefs, um, much like the Tampa Bay Rays when they started with analytics and MLB. Teams are raising their eyebrows of whether or not they should try to help the Chiefs and are they getting screwed because the personnel staff has been uh, so good. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they were trying to trade up, couldn't do it, trying to trade back, maybe try to select Felix in a range they thought they could in the second round, couldn't do it. And so, taking a little bit higher than I think probably they wanted to and his value dictates, but look, that turns into a, a player that you, you build up in first year and then see what he can do in 2024. And I think that's how the story for Felix will go. All right. That's a podcast. We made our grand return. We're more than an hour here of, of chiefs content for you. So I hope you like that. If you like the airhead pride podcast network and the editor show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple iTunes. We will read it right here on the show john will be back next week as we tackle everything uh, that comes out of the nfl scouting combine until then uh, for steve serta i'm pete sweeney thank you for listening to another edition of the arrowhead pride editor's show
Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride Premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.